Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A single enthralling story haunts today's episode. A cabin getaway soon turns into a forever scar upon a family when the strange figures and sounds emerge from the forest at night. Welcome to Camping Horrors, the show where real people send me their scariest camping and hiking experiences, and I narrate them. Enjoy today's episode, and be sure to send me your scary camping and hiking stories at darkstories.org. Also, follow and rate Camping Horrors on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. If you want to hear me read more scary stories, go to eeriecast.com. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. What she saw from Calvin Out. It was the summer after my freshman year of high school when my family decided to take a vacation to Yellowstone National Park. We'd rented a rustic cabin in the woods just outside the park borders. I remember clearly being excited to spend a week surrounded by nature and trees instead of concrete and cars. As an avid reader, I planned to spend most of the trip curled up on the cabin porch, devouring my books. The day we arrived at the cabin, the sun was high overhead, casting dappled shadows across the dirt driveway. My parents and my younger sister, Amy, piled out of our SUV while I grabbed our bags from the back. The cabin owner, an elderly man named Walter, hobbled over to greet us. After introductions, Walter led us inside the two-bedroom cabin. It was quaint, with wood-paneled walls, patchwork quilts, and a stone fireplace in the main living area. The musty smell inside reminded me of my grandparents' basement. Walter showed us around, pointing out the small kitchen, bathroom, and bedrooms. Well, I think that covers everything, he said, rubbing his wrinkled hands together. You folks need anything, just give me a holler. My house is just a mile down the road. We thanked him as my dad handed over a check for the week's stay. Walter pocketed it and shuffle-stepped toward the front door. But before he left, he turned back to us with a strange look in his pale blue eyes. One more thing, he said in a low voice. I suggest you folks stay inside after the sun sets. These woods ain't quite right at night, if you catch my drift. My dad chuckled uncomfortably. We're, uh, we're city folk, Walter. I think we can manage. Walter nodded slowly, his gaze drifting over each of us. Oh, I'm sure you can. Just keep the doors locked and curtains drawn after dark. You'll be wanting to stay inside, trust me. Well, you folks enjoy your holiday now. With that ominous warning lingering in the air... Walter exited the cabin, 
leaving the four of us staring at each other. What a kook, my mom said with a nervous laugh. My sister Amy looked uneasy, her brown eyes wide. I'm sure he was just joking around, trying to scare us, my dad offered, though he didn't sound convinced. Come on, let's get unpacked and figure out some activities for the week. We busied ourselves putting clothes and supplies away in the old oak dressers and cabinets. The odd encounter with Walter soon faded from my mind as I daydreamed about spending the week reading out on the porch swing. As the sun began to set, we cooked some hot dogs and beans over the crackling fire as I tore through pages of The Divide by Elizabeth Kay. The howls of coyotes echoed in the distance as we laughed and talked over the snaps and pops of the flames. Full and content, I said goodnight and retired to the room I was sharing with Amy. Amy was already there, curled up under the covers of the twin bed closest to the door. I quietly changed into pajamas, then switched off the bedside lamp between our beds. Moonlight filtered in through the curtained window, creating shadows that swayed gently in the night breeze. Somewhere out in the dark forest, an owl hooted, the call was soon answered by the forlorn cry of a coyote. I rolled over, closing my eyes. I felt myself beginning to drift off. But just as sleep was about to overtake me, a bizarre sound pierced the night. A sort of drawn-out wail or howl that seemed to waver and warble unnaturally. My eyes shot open, now fully awake and alert. The odd howling sounded again even closer and louder than before. It clearly came from somewhere right outside in the woods surrounding the cabin. I sat up slowly, glancing over at Amy's bed. She appeared to still be sleeping soundly. I then turned my attention to the window behind me. I noticed the curtains there were still partially open. I thought about getting up to close them, but a feeling of dread kept me pinned beneath the covers. The unearthly howling and wailing continued at sporadic intervals. With each eerie cry, a cold knot of fear grew inside my chest. I didn't dare peek out between the curtains. I was terrified I might see something peering back at me from the dark tree line. At some point during the chilling chorus of sounds, I realized Amy was no longer in her bed. How could I have not noticed her get up? Had I fallen asleep at some point? Heart pounding, I squinted through the moonlight at her empty, disheveled sheets. Slowly, I shifted my gaze to the center of the room. A small gasp escaped my lips. Amy stood there, staring blankly out the window through the opening in the curtains. I stared at her silhouette, my heart drumming loudly in my ears. She was standing unnaturally still, arms hanging limply at her sides. Amy? I whispered, my voice barely audible over the ongoing wails from outside. She gave no indication of hearing me. I said her name louder. Amy! But she remained frozen in place, her gaze fixed on some point through the partially open curtains. The terrible cries rose and fell again and again, sending shivers up my spine. Swallowing down my fear, 
I slowly peeled back the covers, sliding my legs off the bed. The wooden floor was like ice against my bare feet. I took a tentative step toward my sister. Amy, can you hear me? I asked, my voice quivering. Still no response. As I crept closer, I could see Amy's face illuminated in the silvery moonlight. Her eyes were open, but glazed over and vacant. It was like she was in some kind of trance. I followed her stare out toward the woods, but all I could make out was darkness and swaying branches. The awful wailing erupted again, louder than before. I flinched, the hairs on my arms standing at attention. Fighting every survival instinct urging me to flee, I closed the remaining distance and reached for my sister's rigid arm. Amy, say something, you're freaking me out. Before I made contact with her arm, Amy's head suddenly snapped towards me. I stumbled back with a gasp, her vacant eyes now piercing into me. For a heartbeat, I thought I saw a flicker of recognition in her eyes, but then her head swiveled back around to face the window. My breaths now came in panicked gulps, my heart slamming against my ribcage. I knew I needed to get away from the window, away from whatever lurked outside in the dark forest, whatever it was that had entranced my sister. Hey, come on, let's get back in bed. I managed to choke out. When Amy still didn't budge, I grasped her cold hand in mine. I gave her a gentle tug, and to my immense relief, she followed me without resistance. As we shuffled away from the window, the unnerving howls outside subsided, replaced by the normal night chorus of insects and owls. The knot in my chest finally loosened once we were back at our beds. I helped Amy get under her covers, glancing anxiously at her face for any spark of awareness. But her features remained blank, her brown eyes dull and unfocused. It was like part of her mind was still standing over by that window. Just try to sleep, I told her as I tucked the blankets around her small frame. She said nothing, merely staring past me at the ceiling. Exhaustion beat at my mind and body, but I knew rest would not find me easily tonight. Moving quietly, I closed the curtain fully, shutting out the moonlight. The room was abruptly cast into inky blackness. I crawled back into bed, my icy feet seeking warmth beneath the sheets. Pulling the covers up to my chin, I lay there staring into the void, straining to hear any sound from Amy's side of the room. But besides the pounding of my heart, all was silent. Eventually, I drifted off into a fretful sleep, my slumber plagued by screeching cries and vacant eyes. I jolted awake, just as the first muted light of dawn crept across the ceiling. For a moment, I just lay there, listening. But no wailing cries pierced the morning stillness, just a few chirping birds from the surrounding forest. I rubbed the sleep from my eyes and sat up slowly, casting a cautious glance toward Amy's bed. 
Relief coursed through me at the sight of her sleeping form, blankets rising and falling rhythmically with her breath. The empty, trance-like stare from last night was gone. Her face was relaxed and peaceful. I wondered if she even remembered what happened. As I got dressed and prepared for the day, I mulled over whether to tell my parents about the bizarre events of the previous night. Would they just brush it off like we did with Walter's initial warning? Should I talk to Amy first and find out what she saw or experienced? In the end, I decided to wait and observe my sister's behavior when she woke up. If she seemed confused or scared, then I would tell our parents something frightening had happened. But if Amy acted normal, I thought it best not to rehash the unnerving experience. I sat on the living room sofa, watching the shadows retreat across the yard as the sun rose higher in the sky. The whole forest now appeared tranquil and inviting. It was hard to imagine the haunting sounds which echoed between the trees just hours before. I hoped that whatever occurred last night was just an isolated incident that the remainder of our vacation would be peaceful and uneventful. I tried to act normal as Amy eventually emerged from the bedroom, hair a mess from sleep. She gave me a quizzical look as I watched her shuffle to the bathroom. Oh, what? She mumbled through a yawn. I shook my head, relief flooding through me. Nothing. Sleep okay? She shrugged absently before disappearing behind the bathroom door. When she rejoined us in the cozy kitchen for breakfast, I studied her closely for any signs of that vacant stare or unease from the previous night. But she seemed her usual cranky morning self, slumped over a bowl of cereal. So I guessed I wouldn't be mentioning anything about the strange events, unless she did first. After eating... Amy planted herself on the living room sofa to watch cartoons while my parents discussed possible hikes for the day. I mumbled something about going for a walk and slipped out the front door unnoticed. I brought one of Darcy Coates' horror novels with me, one of her many ghost stories. Can't remember which. The morning sun filtered brightly through the trees, warming the ground and raising the birdsong a few decibels. I followed a narrow trail away from the cabin, fallen pine needles and twigs crunching under my sneakers. The surrounding forest appeared perfectly normal, no traces of the ominous noises that pierced our dark hours. I wondered if somehow it had just been a bizarre dream or a figment of my imagination. Then again, the vivid image of Amy's blank stare and rigid form refused to fade from my mind. Lost in thought, I didn't pay much mind to where my feet carried me until the trees began to thin. I emerged from the forest onto a deserted dirt road that stretched onward through the woods in either direction. Glancing back, I realized how far I'd wandered from the cabin. I considered turning around, but curiosity nudged me forward down the road. Around a bend, a weathered wooden fence came into view with a crooked hand-painted sign which read, No Trespassing, Private Property. I paused, peering through the fence slats. There appeared to be a small overgrown pasture on the other side. Deciding I wasn't technically trespassing from the road, I continued on. That's when I first noticed the trees. 
Every towering pine and spruce that bordered the pasture was marred with strange markings. It looked as though some massive beast had raked its claws vertically down each trunk, stripping away chunks of bark. I ran my hand over one of the gashes, feeling the sticky sap left behind. Unease trickled down my spine as I hurried farther down the road to inspect the other trees. All of them bore similar claw marks, with no discernible pattern or purpose. It was as if something had wandered through the forest, indiscriminately shredding every tree within reach. I backtracked away from the disturbing sight, skin prickling as though I was being watched. When I was once again surrounded by undisturbed nature, I left the road and pushed deeper into the dense forest. The sunlight barely penetrated through the clustered evergreens, blanketing the ground in murky shadows. Every snapping twig made my heart jolt as I forged ahead aimlessly, until suddenly I stumbled into a small clearing. I froze. Makeshift wooden structures encircled the area, fashioned from twisted branches and some sort of cord. Crude symbols and shapes adorned the structures, though I couldn't decipher any meaning from them. In the center sat a small altar-like pile of rocks, topped with bundles of feathers, beads, and bones. The entire bizarre scene exuded an aura of dark, primal energy that seemed to hum in the air and tingle against my skin. Suddenly, I felt like an intruder, trespassing on something ancient, something malignant. I backpedaled from the clearing, urged on by the suffocating sensation of being watched by unseen eyes. Only when the strange structures were far behind me did I stop to catch my breath. I leaned a palm against a sturdy pine. A shudder passed through me as I imagined what sort of twisted creature, or person, could have constructed those things. The normal forest sounds of bird call and wind seemed muted, replaced by a heavy silence. I couldn't shake the certainty that something uncanny lingered out here, just out of sight. I arrived back at the cabin winded and on edge, hoping I appeared less unnerved than I actually felt. My dad raised an eyebrow at my disheveled state as I hurried past him to wash up. Over lunch on the porch, my parents discussed visiting Old Faithful the next day. When there was a lull in the conversation, I hesitantly described the odd markings I'd found in the woods. My dad frowned while my mom suggested it was just wildlife for kids messing around. Well, I think it's best if we all stay close to the cabin today, said dad, tone casual but firm. I met Amy's gaze from across the table, an unspoken awareness passing between us. She knew the cabin grounds were no longer a safe haven. We both did. We were intruders here, and something ancient and watchful lurked just beyond the tree line, waiting for the cloak of night to descend once more. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. 
You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. We spent the rest of the afternoon playing board games on the cabin floor, but I couldn't focus on anything besides the approaching nightfall. An undercurrent of dread flowed through our forced conversations and half-hearted laughter. As daylight gradually faded outside, our words trailed off entirely, replaced by strained silence. Once dusk settled around the cabin, like an oppressive shroud, my dad stood up to draw the living room curtains. I watched him check the lock on the front door twice before retiring with my mom to their bedroom. Back in our room, Amy and I lay side by side in tense stillness, ears straining in the dark. The comforting sounds of our parents preparing for bed in the next room gradually went quiet. I thought about asking Amy if she wanted to talk about yesterday, to see if she would open up about her eerie trance by the window. But fear kept me mute, words frozen in my throat. Eventually, Amy's breath slowed into the steady tempo of sleep. I tossed and turned restlessly, unable to silence my racing mind. Each minute that ticked by on the glowing bedside clock filled me with increasing dread as the witching hour approached. Around 1am, an unearthly howl pierced the stillness. I jolted upright, my heart lurching. The wailing cry was soon echoed by another and another. The bizarre chorus rose and fell in erratic undulations, filling the night. My eyes instinctively flicked toward the window, but this time, the curtains were tightly drawn. I realized Amy must have done that earlier, while I was in the bathroom getting ready for bed. The awful sounds swelled outside, and human voices layered upon each other in a cacophony I had never heard before in nature. I imagined hordes of creatures moving stealthily between the trees, features obscured in shadow as they crept closer to our cabin, called by some ancient rite. But nightmare suddenly became reality. A tall humanoid silhouette glided past the bedroom window outside, briefly blocking the scant moonlight seeping out from behind the heavy drapes. I froze, skin erupting in goosebumps. Something was right outside. The silhouette lingered by the glass for several heartbeats before slowly continuing past, its misshapen head seeming to turn toward the window as it slid out of view. Hot tears of panic welled in my eyes as the phantom shape faded back into the night. I slowly turned towards Amy. As expected, she was sitting bolt upright in bed, eyes round, filled with terror and the darkness. Anguished sobs racked her body, 
Her hands clamped tightly over her ears. She was even so terrified. I could see her drawing blood from where her nails dug into her skin. Amy, Amy, it's okay, you're okay. I whispered urgently, helplessness and guilt swirling within me. She remained locked in her mute nightmare, writhing silently against some invisible demon. Swallowing down my own fear, I stumbled over to her bed and wrapped her in my arms. She struggled, head shaking back and forth, refusing to fully resurface into reality. I choked back tears of my own as I gripped her tightly. Amy, it's me, your brother, I'm right here. I murmured like a mantra, rocking us gently as the hateful cries raged outside. Eventually, I think it worked. She went still, rigid in my embrace, no longer fighting. Even so, her small frame continued to tremble. We stayed huddled together as the wailing gradually faded back into silence. Exhaustion overtook me as the adrenaline drained away, and I gave in to sleep. I was startled awake some time later at this rattling sound. Blary eyes searched the room before identifying the noise. It was the doorknob to our bedroom, slowly twisting back and forth. Someone or something was trying to get in. Still holding on to Amy, barely breathing, I watched the old brass knob rattle ominously, but the door itself stayed firmly closed. After an agonizing minute, the rattling ceased. Heavy footsteps moved past our room, creaking down the hallway toward the living room. The front door groaned open, a winter chill spiderwebbing across my skin. The footsteps paused on the threshold. Then it left, disappearing into the night, the door remaining open. Only then did I fully comprehend how close we'd come to a horrible fate. Some sort of creature or intruder had made its way inside the cabin during the night because someone hadn't closed the door completely. Luckily, it found itself barred from entry to our bedroom. If that bedroom door had not been locked, I don't know what would have happened. Thankfully, my parents' bedroom door was locked too. Terrible visions of them being slaughtered in their own beds flashed through my mind. There would be no more sleep for me that night as I clung to my sister grappling with the bleak knowledge that a flimsy door with an even flimsier lock was all that stood between us and this unspeakable horror that roamed from the woods and into our cabin. The next morning, a feeling of gloom hung over the cabin. We all picked at our breakfast in silence, eyes downcast. The cheerful morning light filtering through the windows seemed to mock the despair that had settled upon us during the dark hours of the night. As soon as the sun had risen, my dad went outside to start packing up the car. His face was pale when he came back in, but all he would say was that we were leaving as soon as possible. My mom fluttered around, tidying things with trembling hands before tossing the last few items into our suitcases. I could tell she was on the verge of tears, but was fighting to hold herself together. Amy sat curled up on the sofa, gaze unfocused. She had not said a word all morning. I wished I could comfort her somehow, convince her she was safe now. 
but the light of day did not feel like sanctuary anymore. There really was no escape from what happened last night. Within an hour, the car was loaded up and idling in the driveway. I took one last look around the cozy cabin that had become our cage, our fragile shelter from the darkness. Part of me wanted to beg my parents to stay, thinking maybe things would be better now, but I knew deep down that we were right to flee this place and never return. The drive home was solemn and silent. Amy slept fitfully in the back seat while I stared listlessly out the window. Now that we were away from danger, my mind churned with questions. What were those creatures that prowled the woods, making those sounds? Why did they target us? And what would have happened if it had gotten in our rooms? Worst of all was the vacant, tortured look in Amy's eyes whenever the creatures came and howled. I shuddered to imagine what nightmarish visions she must have glimpsed through that window. What evil did she see that had brushed her mind and left its claw marks on her sanity? Even away from that place, she was scarred in a way I could not understand. The next several days passed by in a haze. Amy stayed curled up in her bed, hardly eating or speaking, except for occasional violent nightmares that wrenched her from her sleep. My parents tiptoed around her, offering her reassurances neither they nor I believed. Our lives were irreparably ruptured. About a week after returning home, I was reading in my room when I heard the front door open and close. I looked out the window to see Amy hurrying down the street, moving with purpose for the first time since we got back. I dropped my book and raced outside. She'd made it a few blocks before I caught up, and by then we both were panting. She glanced at me when I grabbed her shoulder, but she pulled away from me and continued on. I followed at a distance. She wound through side streets and alleys. Eventually, we reached the outskirts of town, where sagging abandoned warehouses lined the train tracks. Graffiti spattered their gray walls beneath broken windows. Amy slipped through a hole in a chain-link fence and approached the nearest warehouse. I lingered by the fence, watching as she produced a lighter from her pocket and flicked it alight. In one smooth motion, she hurled the tiny flame through the nearest empty window frame. I don't know what the small flame hit, but somehow flames sprang up and engulfed the dry wooden interior. Amy's face seemed to glow in the firelight as she watched it burn. I backed away, frightened by this specter my sister had become. When the sirens eventually screamed in the distance, Amy finally turned away from the inferno and made her way back to me. Together, we snuck into the shadows and returned home. I didn't tell anyone what Amy did, because somehow it made her seem happier. She seemed to have purged some of that poison from her soul. In the following days, she seemed to come out of her catatonic state. She became more engaged with friends and family again, less prone to trance-like staring fits. I held out hope that the horrors of that cabin would fade to the past for both of us in time, but some deeper instinct warned me that the scars ran too deep for Amy. These fears were confirmed a year later when I walked in on Amy in the midst of a seizure. Her eyes rolled back, 
limbs flailing about. I tried to hold her still, yelling desperately for my parents. Suddenly, Amy's back arched up as she choked out a guttural scream unlike any human sound. When I looked down at her face, she seemed so far gone. Then, her rigid body went limp, and she passed out. Later at the hospital, tests and screening couldn't determine what caused her episode, but I knew. Some sort of splinter of darkness, which had infested those woods, had burrowed inside Amy. In the years since, I've watched my sister struggle against that latent evil, fighting to keep it buried down in her psyche. I often consider urging Amy to discuss what horrors she glimpsed in the window that night, hoping that confessing it might offer some deliverance. But seeing the way her eyes cloud with dread at the mere mention of that time, I know better. Some memories are too dangerous to stir from their unquiet sleep, but too strong to ever fully cleanse. The only mercy I can offer my sister now is silence. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails, and be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.